today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I find myself getting so wrapped up in the cares and the affairs and the busyness of my life, I forget that I'm not going to be here that much longer. Don't dig your roots down too deep in the temporal soil of this Egypt, because you know the future, right? The promised land, don't get twisted up on this. It's not a type of heaven, because there were still battles. There's no battles in heaven, thank God. But it's the promise of God. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. To get caught up in the what-ifs and worry over life is merely what it means to be human. Today, however, Pastor J.D. reminds us that the more we focus on the world and on ourselves, the less we're thinking about our Savior. What could be more worthy of our thoughts than Christ and everything He's done for us? Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. You know, when our boys were young, we, we taught them a song. It, it was to instill a lesson. You want to teach a lesson, put it to song and you'll learn it. So the song went like this. The world It doesn't belong to you, and life, it isn't fair. The world doesn't revolve around you, and life, it isn't fair. Everybody now. (laughs) And they never forgot it. (laughs) In fact, it explains a lot as to (laughs) why they are the way they are now. But That's true, isn't it? Does the world revolve around you? Is life fair? No, it's not. We live in a fallen world. And yeah, we've been wrong, but so too, truth be made known, we have wronged more. Forget the past. Take your eyes off of them. Take your eyes off of that. Or as my wife always reminds me, build a bridge and get over it, which is uh, good advice. (laughs) Biblical too. Well, this ties into the second one in verse 22. And in concert with forgetting the past, it's also knowing the future. Now let me explain this. Because the first response is something along the lines of, well, we can't know the future. And we have those clever cliches, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And that's true. But wait a minute, we do know the future. You know why we know the future? (laughs) God has told us so we can know what the future holds for us. And by the way, if you're in Christ, born again of the Spirit of God, and you've come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Woo! This ends very well for us, by the way. Yeah? You've read the end of the book. You know how it ends, right? 
Now, verse 22 is interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that, and and think about this, all of the things that Joseph did by faith, and the one thing that inducts him into the hall of faith is this insistence, nay, a command, that when I die, you do not bury me here in Egypt. Listen, Egypt been very, very good to me. (laughs) Okay, only a few of you got that. You younger people have no idea. Don't worry about it. I mean, I'm the most powerful man in Egypt, but I'm not going to be buried here. Why not? Because this is not my final destination. Egypt, the type of the world, this is not my home. In fact, I know the future Interesting, not because God showed it to me, but because my father told it to me. So Jacob says, hey, son, Joseph, come here. So here's the thing. God is going to deliver us out of Egypt. Oh, this is, this is after you and I are long gone. But he's going to deliver us out of Egypt and into the promised land. And Joseph is like, whoa, really? When? Well, it's going to be yet future. And you know this? Yeah. Okay. Well, then I don't want to be buried here. So he issues this edict, and he can do this, by the way. Don't bury me here. When, not if. We are in the promised land. You take my remains and you bury me in the promised land because that's God's promise in the future. Joseph didn't hope. He didn't wish. He knew. He knew the future. And think about this. This is crazy to me, especially in our day and age. For about 400 years, 400 years. How many generations is that? What's 400 years ago? Someone help me out here, please, because I just (laughs) got myself into a a mathematical pickle. uh, uh, 1621, right? Help me. 1621. The year 1621. Can we just use that year? Please. (laughs) So... The year 1621, I'm going to die. Don't bury me here. You keep my bones, my remains, here in this tomb, this coffin, whatever you want, and it's going to stay there until we get into the promised land. Well, when is that going to be? I don't know, but it's going to happen. Oh, you know the future? Yeah, because God said that's what's going to happen. Okay, so 10 years go by. Um, hey, uh, mom, dad, what's up with the remains of Joseph? Why aren't they buried? Because we're going to take them with us to the promised land. What's the promised land? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. You see where I'm going with this? Knowing the future. You can know the future because we have the Word of God, and we have the promise of God. We know the future. 
We know what's going to happen because God told us what's going to happen. God promises what's going to happen. God gave us His Word that it's going to happen, and God can't go back on His Word. Just real quick, indulge me. I know in my own life the enemy gets away with this, and I'm working on it, and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help me on this. But he gets me so earthly-minded I'm of no heavenly good. I find myself getting so wrapped up in the cares and the affairs and the busyness of my life, I forget that I'm not going to be here that much longer. Don't dig your roots down too deep in the temporal soil of this Egypt, because you know the future, right? The promised land, don't get twisted up on this. It's not a type of heaven, because there were still battles. There's no battles in heaven, thank God. But it's the promise of God. The promise of God. I know, I know what the future holds. I know that God is going to take me out of this Egypt in the future. And so don't Start building, you know, these memorials and, you know, sites, and don't get too settled down here. Keep a light touch on this world and the things of this world. As many of you know, I spent a couple weeks just seeking the Lord and getting along with the Lord, and so many things from that time just so needed. But One of the things that I really took from that time alone with the Lord was hold on loosely to everything and everyone. Hold on loosely. Hold on loosely. I think of Corey ten Boom, who famously said of the Holocaust, during the Holocaust, that she had learned to hold on loosely to the things of this world, for she knew not when they would be required of her. She was not talking about material possessions. She was talking about loved ones and family and friends. Have a light touch. Don't get too settled. Don't plant too deeply, because of what's in store in the future. Can I draw your attention to the Apostle Paul's second letter to Timothy, the fourth chapter? I'll bring it to a close. At least I'll try to bring it to a close with this. Um, Here's the end of Paul's life now. And he knows just a matter of time And so these are the last words. These are his final words. To Timothy, whom he saw as, and even said as much, is like a son. So he says, verse 6, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. And listen to what he says. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, 
There is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Can't wait. Notice what's conspicuously absent from what he says to Timothy. He doesn't say, now, I sure hope there's in store for me a crown of righteousness. No, there is. There is. I know it. I know it. I know that's the future. Because the Lord promised it. And the Lord can't break a promise. And it gets even better. He says, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for His appearing. You know who that is? <laughs> Raise your hand too, because it's you too. Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let me see. How do you know? No, because God promised it. God's given me His Word. I know this is what is in store for me in my future. It awaits me. I know it. It's a crown. Uh, you know, and, and for guys, don't get weird on the whole crown thing. Think of it like the king's crown. Yeah, that's more like it. A crown of righteousness? Whoa. Now, here's another thing. What else? I mean, because, you know, I, I like crowns. That's cool and everything, but I'm not really a crown guy. <laughs> no, you want this crown. You want this crown. You mean to tell me that like the Apostle Paul, we too can know that this is what is in store for me, for you, in the future? Yes. So let me see if I've got this straight. I forget the past, Manasseh. And I'm fruitful, Ephraim, and by faith, knowing the future, I say, don't do anything, just wait. Don't get settled, because I know the future, and it's not here. It's not here. One last thing, I've been thinking about this as of late. I know I've talked about it before, but don't you find it kind of interesting that God has been loosening our grip on everything and everyone that would keep us from wanting to go home? And I'm not talking about, again, material things. I'm talking about noble things, even godly things. I mean, just letting go of everything. Remember that account when Jesus is, you know, there in the just crowds, and someone comes up to him and says, Jesus, your mother and your brothers and sisters are here. And <laughs> Jesus goes, who are my brothers and my sisters and my mother? I like how one humorously quipped, if I'm Mary, I'm like, what'd you say, boy? <laughs> Who's your mother? You get over here, boy, I'll tell you who your mother is. <laughs> I know that's a, you'll never forget it though, but what's he saying? 
How about when he says, if you don't forsake mother, father, brother, sister, and follow me, you're not worthy of following me. It's actually stronger in some translations. If you don't hate them, doesn't mean we hate our family. What Jesus is saying is, and it's what he asked Peter, by the way. You remember after the resurrection when he appeared to them? And they've been fishing all night. These are professional fishermen. Peter went back to his fishing business. Well, God had already closed it. He didn't realize that yet. So they're fishing all night. You don't need to catch one fish. So early dawn, they don't know it's Jesus. He's over, hey, put the net on the other side of the boat. I'm like, you don't tell me what to do. I'm the professional fisherman here. And they're like, well, what do we got to lose? They haven't caught anything. So what do they do? Well, they take the net and you cast it on the other side of the boat. And you know the account, right? So many fish, it almost broke it. <laughs> it's kind of like, makes you wonder how wide that boat was, because one side nothing, the other side. No, it's the Lord. And when Peter realizes it's the Lord, what does he do? He jumps out of the boat. This time he doesn't walk on water. He runs through the water and goes to the Lord. It's the Lord. But then that's when Jesus restores Peter three times, because Peter had denied Jesus three times. And he says, do you love me? He says, yes, I love you, Lord, three times. But there was another time too when Peter caught a bunch of fish, and Jesus asked him this question. I think it's the question before every single one of us today. Do you love me more than these? If we can say, in all honesty, if we're honest with ourselves, that I love, and you fill in the blank, more than Jesus, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. i got to be honest and, and open and say, even with this church, this amazing church, hold on loosely. Hold on loosely. I'm not being prophetic or anything here. I'm just saying that Jesus is asking me the same question. Do you love me more than this? Yeah. Okay. Hold on loosely. Do you love me more than that? More than him? More than her? More than them? More than these? Because if you don't, you're not worthy of following me. Because to follow me, you have to pick up your cross daily. I wish it wasn't daily. You know, weekly, maybe. We could talk about weekly, but daily. That means every day. And die to yourself. And follow me. In the end, it's the end that matters. And that's not a play on words. It's how we end. It's how we finish. We can all start. We can all make progress, but how do we end? Do we finish well? Do we finish well? Because in the end, it's the end that matters. And for Jacob and Joseph to be entered into the hall of faith because of that which they did at the end of their lives, 
In other words, it eclipsed everything else. How many times did Joseph by faith do this, do that, and it's this? Don't bury me here. Don't bury me here, because I know the future, and it ain't here. Jacob. How about Jacob? What an interesting guy. I can't wait to meet him. Very interesting. Hard. I know none of you know anything about obstinance and stubbornness and headstrong and, you know, strong-willed, and which is why God had to break him. I know, again, you know nothing about that. I'm just speaking for myself. I can't wait to meet him. Man, what was that like? Do you know what it takes to wrestle for an entire night? Oh, demanding that God bless him. And the Lord says, I can't bless you till I break you. Okay, break me then. (laughs) Be careful what you pray for, right? (laughs) Because he will. So he can. But all of that, no, that's not why he's in the hall of faith. He's in the hall of faith for blessing and adopting his grandsons as his own, making them two of the twelve tribes and blessing them and making them fruitful. That's what enters him into the hall of faith. I mean, we could spend, and I won't, don't look at your watches, we could spend hours on just Joseph. How many times by faith did he do what he did? I would have, man, I don't know if I would have made it past the pit. And that was a a very low point, no pun intended, for Joseph. No, seriously, the narrative has him screaming and wailing and crying. Why are you doing this to me? I mean, you have to, again, understand in that culture, for your brothers, your blood, to do that to you. He was, I mean, you can't even put to words how hurtful and devastating that was to him. And I get the impression Joseph had a really soft heart too. He was a very kind man. And all of that, nope, that's not what he's in here for. The one thing that he did by faith was to say, don't put me in this ground. I don't care if it's 400 years. In fact, it's a good conversation starter and a good witness, because you're going to tell the next generation, the next generation, the next generation, the next can get four generations out of there? Since 1621, remember now. <laughs> How many generations? That served as a testimony to the faithfulness and the promise of God. And that's what got him in the hall of faith. Oh, I want to be like that. And here's the other thing too. How about all the times throughout your life, maybe I'll just speak for myself. Man, I'm so glad that gets burned as wood, hay, and stubble. You know, 1 Corinthians 3. I have a very large pile. It's going to take a while to burn. But man, none of that, none of that matters. It's only the end that matters. I want to close with a quote. It actually just came to my heart. Uh, I I forget the name. He's with the Lord now, but he made this comment famously and said that soon one life will be passed, but only that which was done for Christ will last. 
Everything else is wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to burn up. Those precious jewel, that same fire that consumes the wood, hay, and the stubble, <laughs> is the same one that makes more valuable and pure those precious jewels. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Some of what you heard today may have encouraged you in your faith. There are many revered Bible characters mentioned in the book of Hebrews, people who lived ordinary lives but amounted to much in God's eyes when it came to faith. Perhaps you might be the same. You're living your very ordinary life, striving to live for God, but sometimes you make some harebrained decisions. Thankfully, God's looking at your life and your faith as a whole. This should be encouraging to you. You don't have to live up to perfection. Continue following this series with us in the book of Hebrews to gain additional glimpses of faith lived out. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of In Spirit and Truth, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times and directions on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for listening today to this teaching in the book of Hebrews. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God has been putting on his heart. Faith is something that's ongoing, so keep it up. Join us again on In Spirit and Truth. Oh.